Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. I'm going to hand over to Keith, who's going to come and speak this morning. And uh, maskless which he's very pleased about. <laughs> Let me just pray for you, Keith. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So, Lord, we want to thank you for your word. We honor your word here, Lord. We thank you and we pray now by your Holy Spirit you'll come and you'll take of your word and what Keith brings to us today, Lord, and you'll apply it to our hearts. So I pray, Lord, you'll just be with Keith now. You'll anoint him by his spirit to speak the word that you've put in his heart for us today. Lord, I pray, give us ears to hear what you have to say to us, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Being told where to stand, yeah. Right. Um, hello, everyone. Um, I want to start by taking you back to the year 2000. You might um, remember what you were doing then. Um, you might not. You might not have been alive, um, some of you um, youthful people. Um, myself, I was 18. Um, it was the year I finished school and started university. Um, I went um, to Warwick University, um, and I think we've got a photo, cringe a little bit, but um, (laughs) there you go. Um, That was at the end um, of my three-year maths degree at university. I think people used to say I've not changed a bit, but I think the grey hair kind of gives it away a little bit um, (laughs) now, but at least mingles in with the blonde. Anyway, Four years in total I was there, because I then went on and did a, a PGCE, and to, uh, trained to teach maths. Um, in that time, I grew up so much as a person, um, and it was a really important time for me. Uh, became part of an excellent church in Coventry, um, and I also met and married my wife, um, which was definitely um, a very exciting event. Um, but at the end of that time, um, I was in debt. Um, I had a student loan. Fees weren't as much quite as they are these days, but I think over four years, it's approximately £12,000 in debt. Fast forward to 2014, um, 10 years after I finished, that debt had been paid totally. I owed nothing. And I hadn't paid a single penny towards it. You might be wondering how that's the case. Um, I'm going to leave you hanging with that and come back to it later. Um, Today, though, I want to talk to you about um, a debt. You can take me off the screen. I think that's probably a good idea. (laughs) Um, Today, um, yeah, I want to talk to you about another far more significant debt that has been paid. And that's um, continuing looking at Colossians that we've been looking at. Um, We're on chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. So I'm just going to read this... um, from um, the New Living Translation. It says, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us, or the debt, as it says in other translations, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. 
What amazing verses. I'm privileged to be able to speak on them. And a lot of you will be um, familiar with these verses, um, but just I've really felt as I've studied them, there's, there's so much to come out of them, and I just, um, just encourage you, open yourself to, to look at them anew and, and new things that come out of them today. I want to speak about, I've got three, three key points. Um, very pleasingly, they all begin with the same letter. Um, and it's back, well, it's sort of four, two for the price of one at the end. So, first of all, our, the recognition of the position we were in. And then I'm going to talk about the redemption, what Jesus has done for us, and then at the end, our, the result of that, and, our, and our, consequently our response to that. So firstly, recognising the position we were in. It says you were dead. Unable to respond, unable to save ourselves. We weren't just poorly in our sins. We weren't just struggling. We weren't even just on life support. We were dead in our sins. I was thinking through, what does it mean to be spiritually dead? And you've got some things um, on the screen there. I've not got time to go into all of them, but there's some, there's some verses there, and I'll send this out with the, the notes um, later on if you want to go away and look at it more. But basically, we were um, sinners by nature. We were slaves to sin, the Bible says. We were hopelessly in debt to God and separated from him. Our sin separated us from God, alienated us from him. It says we were without hope. Um, our sinful nature had not yet been cut away, said in the verses. Uh, if you think back to those of you who heard Peter's talk last week, um, he talked excellently um, about that um, circumcision and what that means today. Um, our sinful nature had not yet been cut away. We were literally... Um, dead in the uncircumcision of our sins. So talking about that circumcision of our hearts had not yet happened. There's a verse um, that I mentioned on that, um, Ephesians 2 verse 12, which I just want to focus on specifically. It says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Quite a bleak situation, without God and without hope. And you might identify with that today. Um, it's been a, a very tricky last 18 months for a lot of people, the, the pandemic, and you might be feeling like that. You might be feeling lost and without hope. On the other hand, you might be feeling okay. Um, you might not be feeling... Um, bad at all, you might be feeling um, in terms of those verses, you might be feeling actually I've lived a pretty good life, I'm okay I've never done anything particularly awful um, like me, you might have grown up in a, in a Christian home and never really rebelled um, but as I've studied these verses, I think the more I've understood of the position I was in um, if Jesus hadn't died for me the more my gratitude towards God has, has just grown and grown and my relationship with him has developed. So I think if we, if we don't fully understand the position we were in, we can miss out on so much depth of our relationship with God and our gratitude towards him that we can live in. Um, either way, however we're feeling, uh, the Bible is clear, we were sinners. And sin isn't a very 
popular concept or even a very much talked about concept these days. But basically, it means missing the mark. You think of, um, I've got an analogy of archery, there we go, missing the mark, um, not hitting God's perfect standard. And those arrows on there, I think, um, they're not just missing the mark, they're not even hitting the board, they're not hitting God's bullseye. And as it says at the bottom there, it's very clear from the Bible, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if we um, didn't get, got quite close to the board or, or miles away, um, none of us have even hit the board, let alone hit God's perfect standard. Only Jesus lived a perfect life. So that debt I talked about earlier, that's the weight of our sin and rebellion against God. Ultimately, we were made to worship and we can choose what we worship. And by worship, I mean what we put our trust in, what we um, put our hope and find our satisfaction in. Um, and we can choose to do that with other things. And I think we'll all, if we're honest, find ourselves at times putting our hope and looking for our satisfaction in things other than God. And that is the root of all sin, really. Okay, it says in um, Romans 1, verse 25, about generally the human problem, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. This God that we've been worshipping this morning deserves all our praise and worship, not just part of it. Um, And I don't know about you, but I find it so easy to put my trust in other things. Um, God is the one who deserves all our worship. just want to illustrate this quickly with a um, little story from the Bible that's in most Bibles is, is entitled Jesus anointed by a sinful woman, and a lot of you will know um, that story. But basically, Jesus is at the home of Simon, who's a Pharisee, um, and he's gone there to eat. And this woman, who's known as a sinner, calls her an immoral woman, um, publicly known as a sinner, sounds awful, um, but she comes with a jar of very expensive perfume and and breaks it and anoints Jesus' feet. And there's a conversation between Jesus and, and Simon, this Pharisee. And um, Simon says, if that's, this man were a prophet, talking about Jesus, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And he's very quick to see her sin. But he's not so quick to see his own sin. And um, Jesus talks, tells him a story about two people who've um, been had a debt, and one owed 500 pieces of silver and one 50 pieces of silver, and um, they're both, both those debts are cancelled. And Jesus asked Simon, who, do you, who would you suppose loved the man more after that? And Simon obviously suggests the one with the larger debt. And I think what Jesus is trying to get out here is, Simon, do you understand that even though you think maybe you've not got much of a debt, you have a debt? and it has to be paid, and you can't possibly pay it. Um, it says at the end, um, verse Luke seven forty seven. so at the end of this it says about the woman, Jesus saying to Simon, I tell you, 
Her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. It was her act of worship. She recognised who to worship. She recognised that she was a sinner and needed a saviour. Um, I don't believe when it says he was forgiven little, shows only little love, that if you've not done much wrong, then we're not capable of loving God that much. I think God is, Jesus is talking about how much we understand how much we need to be forgiven. There's no difference. It's very clear. All have fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter um, whether we've sinned a little or a lot. All of us were dead in our sins. So, I think the first error there is underestimating the seriousness of our debt. And um, I just wanted to to highlight that first of all, because I think that's very easy for us to do. And it robs us of some of our understanding of, of what God's done for us. But... Um, and I, yeah, I just I read something this morning, a quote, an anonymous quote, but it said, don't judge someone just because, because they sin differently than you. Which I thought was quite, quite apt and just really challenging. Don't judge someone just because they sin differently than you. On to the good news. Redemption. Jesus paying the price for our sin. He settled the debt the record of the sin that stood against me, past, present and future, has been nailed to the cross. Uh, what's the significance of it being nailed to the cross? Well, when the Romans crucified someone, they would nail to the cross um, a declaration of the crime for which the person died. Think about it. Yours and my debt nailed to the cross as the crime for which Jesus died. He dealt with our debt and took the punishment that we deserve. So we don't need to fear that punishment. If Jesus would be punished for it, we can't be punished any longer. Isn't that amazing? It's done. It's finished forever. Um, the debt that stood against us, it's literally, um, I think apparently in the Greek, it's, it talks about a handwritten note. And I imagine it's something um, like this. Um, beautifully drawn by my daughter. I don't know how much of it you can easily read, um, but basically imagine that, that sin held against you, that debt, that you have a list of things against you, ending with falling short of God's standard in every way. Okay, But it's been paid. It's been crossed out. It's been nailed to the cross. It's been ripped up. And that debt has been paid. It's been nailed to the cross. And it's dealt with. We were spiritually dead. We're now spiritually alive. And again, there's lots there. I've just put up some of the contrasting to what we um, were, the position we were in, to the position um, we're now in. Um, Not got time, again, to go into all of those. But just to highlight, um, not only did God want to forgive us of our sins, the reason he did that, the goal of that, was so that we could... Um, come near to him, where previously we were separated from him, and even we could be adopted as his children. That is what he's done for us, so that we could come into his family and be in relationship with him. So, 
our result, well, the result of that and our response. If you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus, can I urge you, do it today. Don't leave it. He wants you to be in relationship with him. He did all of this for you. He's paid the price for your sin. He's taken your debt of sin and nailed it to the cross. All you have to do is believe him. Put your trust in him and choose to turn away from your sin. Believe that he's really dealt with everything that could possibly separate you from him. So if that's you, talk to someone that's brought you along today, someone that you know is a Christian, someone that has encouraged you to listen today. Um, But God wants to speak to you. For those of us who've already put their trust in Jesus, um, I think there's another misconception that we can subtly believe. I'll take you back to um, where I left you hanging earlier about my debt. Um, I was becoming a maths teacher and I was blessed that um, maths teachers were in short supply. Um, I think still are to some extent, but um, there was a scheme called the Repayment of Teachers Loans Scheme. That If you stayed in teaching for 10 years, um, then your loan was paid off bit by bit, um, which was Brilliant. I was very blessed. Um, I think I've got a bit of the letter. Yeah, here we go. Um, which just, I thought this was amazing, just your student loan has been repaid in full. And isn't that a sign of what God has done for us with our salvation? Your debt has been paid in full. However, there's, there's, I think there is a misunderstanding that we can sometimes think of what God has done for us in terms of Um, how it was for me with my student loan. I had to stay in teaching for 10 years for my sin to be paid off. Not my sin to be paid off, for my debt to be paid off. Okay. Um, (laughs) um, If I'd stopped partway through, if I'd stopped after two or three years, I'd still have owed that proportion of my student loan. Okay. And sometimes, I think, whether it's subconsciously, subtly, we believe that about our debt of sin. That if we don't continue being good enough or we don't be a good enough Christian or we don't do the right things, then somehow we won't be forgiven enough fully or we'll still face some punishment for our our sin. And that's not what the message um, from the Bible is. The message I'm giving today, it was once for all, Jesus paid for our past, present and future sin on the cross. Take a moment. Do you ever catch yourself thinking like that? Maybe I've not been good enough. I can't come to God today because I didn't have a very good day yesterday. I think my family will know I didn't have a good day yesterday. But I can come to God today free um, because my sin has been dealt with. I've said sorry. um, I'm forgiven. So if we do start to think like that, then actually we need to recognise that are we in some way trying to pay our way to a better standing with God? Are we suggesting that Jesus' work on the cross wasn't quite enough? We've said all the way through that the message of Colossians is Jesus plus nothing is what we need to be saved. It wouldn't then make sense if afterwards we could then somehow earn something by... um, trying to do something, um, trying to work hard enough to somehow make that actually real. No, Jesus did it. It was done on the cross. It's about now our response to that. 
It says we are alive in Christ. Our sin has gone. We've been set free. It's got no power over us. It's finished forever. As we sang at the beginning, in Christ alone, no guilt in life, no fear in death. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man shall ever pluck me from his hand, for I am his, and he is mine. Our freedom comes from recognising what Jesus has already done for us. So in terms of our response, if we know him, are we living in the freedom he's won for us? I'm not saying it's easy. We're still tempted to sin. Paul talks about wrestling with our flesh. But the first point in walking free from sin is recognising that we are free from sin, that what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. How do we do that? Well, not by following a list of rules. That's not going to make us, that's not going to deal with the heart issues. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to walk free from sin. Uh, It says in Galatians 5, verse 25, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We need the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to fill us and help us to walk free um, from sin and recognise that it no longer has any power of us. We can't say, well, I couldn't help it, um, because actually we are free. So we can, with the Holy Spirit's help, he will help us, and we need to ask him to lead us in that. Um, It says at the end of the original verse from Colossians, um, let's find it again. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them in the cro- on the cross. Literally, the, they have been disarmed. The ammunition has been taken away. And what was that ammunition? Well, it was our sin, our guilt. Um, but now we live free. No guilt in life. No fear in death has been dealt with and so we don't need to listen to that so in conclusion let's let's use our freedom to praise God to glorify him and to worship him and express our gratitude to him let's recognize the position we were in how amazing the redemption that God's won for us and the result our freedom so our response is let's live a life of worship to God walking free by the Holy Spirit's help. Now, it's Father's Day today, as we know, and as I said, the result, well, what the purpose of Jesus setting us free from sin was so that he could adopt us into his family. We could be adopted as his children. He's a father like no other, and that was his plan. He chased you. When you were dead, he found you and made you alive with him. I encourage us um, to come to him now um, so the band can come back up maybe and we've got time for a, um, a song but just as we, as we sing just, I just encourage you to, to come to God bring yourself to him if you don't know him let's put your trust in him I'd encourage you to do that today if you know him we need his Holy Spirit we need his Holy Spirit to lead us and to walk free so come to him again and ask 
and the Holy Spirit. Um, and if obviously if you want to be prayed for around any of that afterwards, I'd love to pray for you. I'm sure um, others would pray for you as well. Okay.